Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. The book of Acts, the book of Acts we're turning to this morning, the book of Acts chapter 2, and we are going to start reading in verse 16. Acts chapter 2 and verse 16. Father, we pray that as we turn to your word, that you would come and have your way. We pray that you would just settle your presence upon this entire service, Um, no matter which auditorium somebody is, and even at home. We just bind every distraction. We, we declare an awesome spirit of unity. We pray for a spirit of revelation. I pray for the settling of the Holy Spirit. And I declare right now that every force against your word is broken. Um, we bind all contention. And in the name of Jesus Christ, release your presence upon every heart and life. Lord, I'm praying for faith to flood every heart. I'm praying for situations to turn around. I'm praying for somebody in the service, whether it be in Whangarei or Christchurch or anywhere in between, that, Lord, that something in our lives would change and that you would meet us where we need you to meet us. Come and breathe life to every person. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And somebody shouted... Amen. Verse 16 says, No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my Spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Verse 17, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. This is uh, the Apostle Peter speaking up on the day of Pentecost. It's basically Jerusalem turned into Bedlam. All over the city, people have come running because on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus ascended on high, the Holy Spirit has fallen in an upper room where the faithful disciples and the apostles and some early believers were gathered together in expectation and waiting. And we should pause and say that if God asks you to wait, you should always wait. Because when God turns up, it is always always worth the wait when He shows up. And the Bible tells us that on the day of Pentecost, His presence came and it flooded into that upper room. And as the Holy Spirit descended upon them, suddenly they began to speak in other languages and literally the entire city of Jerusalem, people begin to flock towards where people are receiving the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that each one in his own language heard these people declaring the wonder praises of God. I love that because when the Holy Spirit turns up in your life, you don't start talking about bad stuff or failures. When you've got God in your life, you come alive with 
This is what God is doing. This is what God has done. You'll find yourself praising even when life doesn't look good when the Holy Spirit falls on your life. Can somebody say amen? Come on, shake somebody in the balcony and say, wake up. It's God's house. Wake up. When the Holy Spirit starts moving, when the Holy Spirit starts getting poured out, people start running towards this this location to see what's going on. And they've all got their own opinions. And so the Apostle Peter jumps up and he says, no, 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 guys, guys, I don't know what you think's going on, but I want to tell you what's going on. The Holy Spirit has just turned up in our lives, in my life. He's giving testimony. And he says, this, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel when he said, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit. And when my Spirit is poured out, then your sons and your daughters, guys and girls, are going to begin to prophesy. Then he says, and your young men, your young men are gonna dream a dream. Sorry, are gonna see a vision. I always get this mixed up. Your young men are gonna see a vision and your old men are gonna dream a dream. He says, he says that when God, comes, Joel says, when God comes, you're going to have prophecy and you're going to have a a, a vision and you're going to have a dream, a prophecy, a, a vision and a dream. And it really doesn't matter whether you're a guy or a girl, whether you're young or you're old, the Bible is saying that no matter what category you're in, you're all in one of them, whether it be on your, on your, on your sons and your daughters, on your young men or your old men. So it's male or female, young and old, prophesy, vision, dream. It's saying that when the Holy Spirit comes to a life, a mark of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is that a life comes alive with a dream and with a vision. When the Holy Spirit falls, dreams are released. And friends, I believe that it's God's desire that you and I connect with Him and that when we do, a vision comes alive in our lives. There is nothing better than living your life with God's vision at the center of your heart. Does anybody believe that this morning? When a life gets vision, that life starts to be lived the way God wants it to be lived. God doesn't want you living your life just walking around feeling like there's no tomorrow for you or there's no future for you. When you connect with God, your life comes alive with, with a dream and a vision. Does anybody, does anybody think that might be true? When, when I was uh, uh, starting out in ministry, 19 years old, I, I went to church on a particular Sunday night and our, our pastor had announced, he said, you know, tonight we've got a prophet coming to minister in church. And I'll be honest with you, at the age of 19, I've been saved for just over a year and I, I didn't know what that meant. I mean, what, what does a prophet even look like? I mean, does he... Does he have a cape? I mean, I, I, I really, I didn't know. Does he have a special outfit? Can he, can he see through me? You know, I mean, Jillian was up here receiving communion and, you know, she was going all Anglican on us. You've got to remember she was raised Anglican. So she always talks about the blood and the body. My, my Pentecostal heritage always rises. And I, I yell at her from the front row, the emblems, the emblems. But this Anglican will always have the blood and the body, the blood. The Anglicans are gory people. People, blood and body. It's like, 
Am I eating flesh right now? I thought this was a, I thought this was yeast and not, you know, not mold. I mean, I, you know, uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, she was talking about confessing our sins. And when you think the prophet's coming to church, well, you know, you're going you're gonna to get busy making sure you're telling God every secret thing so that the prophet doesn't tell your friends every secret thing. So while everybody else was at lunch, I was at home repenting and I went to church that night thinking, what on earth is going to happen? And you can imagine that when you say the prophet is coming, I mean, we have David McCracken uh, comes and speaks in our church, and he is a legitimate prophet of God. And when, when David comes, we have a hashtag, the prophet is coming. And I love it because all the teenagers are like, I don't even know what that means, but it just sounds good, you know? And so, so I, I'm excited, you know, the, the prophet is coming. And, and I, I thought he was going to be like really cool, futuristic. I mean, he's a prophet, right? So, He's going to be, surely, he's going to be relevant or something. I mean, I, I think that Christians aren't called to be pathetic. They're called to be prophetic. I mean, I personally tire of Christians who say they have prophecies, but when I look at their lives, it's like uh, there's nothing future you know, oriented, nothing problem solving about your life. It feels to me more like you're trying to prophesy out of the 1970s to where we are today than you're actually presenting yourself in the year 2015 with an answer that might carry the church to 2025. Uh, But I'll get off my hobby horse and return to this old prophet because uh, I get to church that night thinking that I'm going to see somebody who's a representation of the future. Well, he was, he was a prophet. He was also kind of like the ancient of days. I mean, he was so old. He, he literally had a walking aid. I mean, you know, he, he, is, he is there to preach in our church to the evening service. I mean, even back then in 1993 or whatever year this was, uh, you know, church was already pretty kind of young and, you know, the, the evening service was. And so he turns up to preach in this evening service and he's, he's you know, he's got his walking apparatus and he's got his, got his you know, his, his tweed coat and, you know, and he's got his briefcase in. And, you know, after the lengthy praise and worship, he's introduced to speak and he, he comes up to the, to the stage to preach. And, you know, that's kind of like, sort of like a rise, you know, like, here he is, the minister. Please welcome to the stage. Coming out of the left corner, weighing in at 190 pounds. You know what I mean? Like, he comes out and is like, da, 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 and the big climax of the band. And then it's just deathly quiet. He makes his way. This would be funny if I wasn't telling the truth, but I am. <laughs> he, he makes his way out there, and then he, he, this is a true story, he clicks his briefcase open, right? So he's got the brief, puts it down, clicks his briefcase open. There's already young people like, what, 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 what's, he, what, what's he doing? You know, like, he's shuffling through pieces of paper, like, I don't know what he was doing. I mean, maybe he was just trying to decide what on earth am I going to preach to the youngest crowd I've seen in 40 years. But <laughs> he, he was looking through and, and, and he, he finally selected his message and, you know, he gets it out. <clears throat> and, you know, he started to preach. Well, you know, I mean, honestly, young people being delivered of insomnia all over the auditorium. It was just, it was a revival. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't, you're just getting it now, right? <laughs> Fongeray, three, two, there you go, you got it. Um, 
I love you, Aaron. Oh, we're naughty this morning, but I've been, I've been working since conference. It's my day off, right? So, um, so, so, so he starts, he starts into this message. I couldn't tell you a thing he said. It was boring. He preached way over time. I know because I always look at the clock. I always do. So he, he preached way over time. And at the end of his message, I am ready. You know, it's one of those messages that for maybe two, a third, you're thinking to yourself, where are we going to supper? You know, and have you ever been in a service where what you're thinking about is what you're going to do next? Can I get an honest wave? Yeah, because you came from other churches, right? Um, never here, right? At the end of his message, he's like, okay, okay. Uh, and he just points at me. I'm on the, like, the second or third row. I want to pray for you. I had no expectation. I'll be honest with you, I had, I had no expectation. He pulls me out of the crowd, and he's one of those preachers, I guess because he had the walking aid, he also had a heavy hand. Have you ever been prayed for by the Christian with the heavy hand? Can I get a, you know, can I get a, yeah, yeah. I hate that guy, you know. My father, my father got prayed for once by a holy man of God and had to have physiotherapy for the damage that the laying on of hands gave his life. But, you know, that's kind of biblical because the Bible does say lay hands on no man lightly. It's not all a rugby game, Jeff. And, uh, and he, he, put his, he put his hand on my head with the heavy hand, and I don't know whether he was stabilizing himself. Looking back, maybe I, maybe I should be kinder on him. Maybe he was just trying to hold himself up. But, but you know, my, my head is going this way and that way, and it's it's not particularly comfortable, and it was, you know, now I have to travel with a pillow, which I lose on every trip, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I've lost another pillow on this trip, and, and, uh, and you know, he's, got, he's going backwards and forwards, and, you know, it's been, now we've got seconds again, and then finally, he just goes, whoa, dream. I'm like, okay, we're getting, this is going to be good, right? This is going to be great. Dream, he says again. Okay, okay, got it, got it, got it. Writing it down on my mental notes. Dream. Yep, yep. That's the third time. Dream. <laughs> Four times, five times, six times. Then he just says, eventually, I don't know, after about maybe six to eight times of repeating one word, he finally moves on and he says, it costs you nothing to dream, says God. It costs you nothing to dream. And that was it. The whole prophecy was over after that. I got, I got about 10 words and that was the entire, I mean, I wanted details. You know, you're going to, you're going to be this great man of God. You're going to change the world. All I got was dream six or eight times, and then it costs you nothing to dream, says God. Well, that was it. Well, then I carried on with my life. And if you know the story, you'd know that in my first year of preaching, I, I gave up preaching in my first year because I decided that I wasn't any good at this. And so I, I gave up, and, and I went away to a holiday home uh, at, at Christmas. Um, and it was an amazing story. I don't have time for it. 
it. But while I was there at the holiday home, I, 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 I had this amazing experience where every day, all I took to the holiday home was I took, I took my Bible and I took a little bit of food and, and, and some water. And every day I would just, you know, eat a bit and then I would pray a lot and then I would read my Bible and then I would just worship. And eventually I would find myself just sitting on a chair and, and I would just be focused on Jesus sitting in this chair and I'd just be thinking, you know, God, God, you know, I love you and I need you and I want you in my life and Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then I would start getting distracted. And in my distractions, I would see myself preaching and I was preaching on large stages and, you know, God was blessing it and it was amazing. And then I'd be like, oh, sorry, God. And I'd come back and I would say, Jesus. And then the next day it would happen to me again. I would pray and I'd pray and I'd worship and I'd worship, read and read, sit in that chair. And then I'd be like, oh, Jesus, Jesus. And then I'd get distracted and I'd be, I'd be thinking, you know, oh, oh, you know, and I'd be preaching and it was amazing. And then I'd come back and then the the next day it would happen again and it happened happened day after day for about 4 or 5 days and and I'm a little slow uh, after about 4 or 5 days I started to think maybe maybe these daydreams I'm having are not actually daydreams maybe the god of the universe is actually attempting to communicate with this little 19 year old insecure failure from West Auckland, maybe God is trying to put His, you know, picture of who I am into my life. And I was, I was so excited because I thought this is, this is the voice of God. And I, I got so pumped that I walked out the front door of that beach house. I went walking up into the mountains until I was definitely alone. And then I just started yelling, thank you, God. You have called me. You've got a plan for my life. I'm gonna change the world. You've got a dream for me. I'm gonna be a great preacher. I can do this. I can do this. And I was so flattered with this sense of, of purpose and life. And then this crazy thought comes into my head. The crazy thought was, what, what if this isn't God at all? What if this is spiritual deception? And right then, in that moment, <laughs> exactly what had happened to me about maybe nine months before, without any, any kind of planning or rehearsal, for the first time in my nine months, I thought about, an ancient old prophet who just had a couple of words to say to a young kid, starting off, I was feeling pretty pumped when he prophesied over me, felt pretty desperate a few months after it. And here I am back on the climb again, but filled with doubts that I'm even hearing from God at all. And I just hear in my head, dream, dream. It costs you nothing to dream, says God. It costs you nothing to dream. And friends, I, I really do believe that today God wants somebody coming into this message, hearing this sermon today, coming to church this morning to know that you're not your past. You're not your failures. You're not your setbacks. You are alive for a reason. God's got a plan for your life. And He wants to flood your heart and spirit with a dream. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. amen. Whenever, whenever you see the Holy Spirit being poured out, I mean, literally, we've got the day of Pentecost. It's not preached enough. 
that on the day of Pentecost, when Peter jumps up, he says, this is what was spoken of. When the Holy Spirit is turned out, people prophesy, people have vision, and people dream dreams. Now that means that if you and I are followers of Jesus and we're connecting with the Spirit, then we should be prophesying future, we should be living with vision, and our hearts should be filled of a dream. If you believe that, then give God a loud yes. Yes. I mean, man, we've got it all through the Bible. Moses, Moses is calls 70 elders out for the tent of meeting. The Bible says that he puts the Holy Spirit, he asks for the Holy Spirit that is on him to come on them. And when the Holy Spirit came on them, the Bible says that they began to prophesy. When the Holy Spirit came, they prophesied. Saul is coronated king. And on the day of his coronation, he is anointed. When he is anointed, the Bible says that he begins to prophesy. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, no matter what, page of the Scripture or time in history, when the Holy Spirit comes, people get a, a, a dream in their hearts. It's a manifestation of the Spirit that brings it into our lives. We are the people of the dream. And no matter what's going on in your life, I believe, my friends, that God is wanting to flood your heart with a dream and a vision for your future. Our lives began as a dream. Did you know that? Your life began with a dream. Psalm 139, the Bible literally tells us that before you were even born, God already planned every day of your life and He wrote it in a book. That before you even came into this world, God already had a plan for where He was gonna take you. And He, he began the process of downloading that into your heart. It should be of no surprise to us then that whenever you connect with God, what He starts talking to you about is, is not small stuff, but big. It's not what you've been in, but where you're, where you're going. Has that been anybody else's experience? Come on, I, I think I'm speaking a little better than maybe you're responding today. But, but when you get God in your life, when, when you get Him, when He connects with you and He starts speaking, isn't it amazing to note that all he starts doing is saying, well, you're on page seven, but I've got page 700. Before you were born, I already planned out your life. I'm not sure if any of us ever even get to page 700, but I do believe that the more time you spend with God, the more the dream comes alive in your life. Come on, that, that's why we connect with Him. That's why we need His presence. Yeah, go ahead and give Him some praise right now. Because when you connect with Him, a dream is what you get when you, when you step into the presence of God. You get a dream and a vision alive in your heart. See, see, when we look at the heroes of the Bible, we look at Abraham, and Abraham's entire journey was just a journey of a dream. There's nothing more to Abraham's journey than just dream Abraham, 
dream Abraham, dream Abraham. God just said to him, you know, go to this land because one day I'm gonna give it to your descendants. All you're gonna do is you're gonna walk the footprint of the dream. Have you ever considered the fact that sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is not accomplish anything, but apprehend something? Not, not necessarily what you realize with your life, but what you, what you comprehend with your heart might be the most significant contribution you even make to the world in which you live is not what you accomplish, but what you, what you can see in the future might be the greatest thing God ever asked you to do because Abraham just keeps walking around. Lot leaves Abraham. When, when Lot left Abraham in Genesis chapter 13, the Bible says, okay, all right, well now Lot's gone. Lift up your eyes again. Isn't it amazing how Jesus spoke even to the New Testament disciples with that exact same phrase in John chapter 4, verse 35. And he said, lift up your eyes for the harvest is ripe. Meaning any believer who's seeing the world as just being an awful difficult place is lacking a connection with God because when you connect with God, He's always saying, lift up your eyes. He said to Abraham, lift up your eyes. See everything that is around you because as far as you can see, I will give it to you. So if you can only see a little bit, then you'll only get a little bit. But if you can see a lot, then a lot is possible with your life. It's all a question of a dream. Our, our, our text, our, our Bible is just a story of dreams. It is. Abraham dreamed a dream. Jacob dreamed a dream. Jacob had to change his name. Joseph, Joseph. Well, we know Joseph was a dreamer, right? Everybody hated Joseph because of his dreams, but his dreams took him all the way. How's, how's, how's David? David had a dream. We know that because David had such a dream, such a dream that, it, that he was able to not just make make it to the throne, but then he got a vision for his nation. And once, he'd, once he got a vision for his nation, he then got a vision for the house of God. I mean, David just, David just keeps popping out vision on every page of the Scripture. He just, he just keeps popping it out. I've got, I've got vision. I've got vision to take me from this back paddock. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how David was a family reject, but he didn't see himself that way? See, that's the power of a God connection. That's the power of a God dream is that you stop seeing yourself the way other people see you. You start seeing yourself the way that God sees you. When, when you connect with God, it changes your vision from what you see in the natural, from what you see through the eyes of your heart. All of us, all of us without a God connection are gonna lack dreams in our lives. We, we, I, want, I want to try and keep this thread alive, but my notes are gone. I just want to, I just want to keep this thread alive because I, I feel like we just got to move with it. But, you know, David, David, David saw himself the way that God wanted him to see himself. He saw himself. He said, I am destined by God to be the king of my nation. He knew that. He knew it in his heart. And then when he got to the throne, he had vision for Israel and expanded their borders larger than any other king Israel ever had before or since. And then, and then once he'd established Israel, he got another vision that lived beyond his lifetime. And that was a vision for the house of God. Only two people in the Bible were ever given a, a physical 
plan for a building that would house God. And their names are Moses and David. It's called Solomon's Temple, but the plan came to David straight from the throne room of God. And and the thing about David was that David was a guy who just lived his life connecting with God. And because he kept connecting with God, he just kept staying alive with a sense of vision. And when when you connect with God, then dreams flood your heart. When when we call for worship in our church services, it's not because we're wanting the worship team to feel better about the number of hands that are being lifted up. It's because when you worship, that's when the Holy Spirit gets poured out. And when the Holy Spirit gets poured out, with the Holy Spirit comes visions, dreams, and prophecies. Come on, if you believe that, give a lot of hearty praise wherever you are. That's what happens when a life connects with God. And I really believe that the mandate of this series is to ignite another generation of dream walkers. I came into this service today with just a passion in my heart that you would know you're not defined by your conception, your education, your failure. You are defined by the dream God had for your life before you were even born. God had a plan for you and those setback comes your way and failure jumps into your life. Though we are faithless, He remains faithful. There's no typos on God's book for your life. If you believe it, shout yeah today. God never twinkied it out. He never, he never got a different plan. He never said, I'm downgrading my purpose. He only ever fills you with the same vision that He's always had. Peter, Peter was, Jesus just pumped that kid full of vision, pumped him full of vision. And even when he failed, he came back to God again. And what did Jesus do? He didn't just go, well, Pete, well, you know, you, you had a great plan and I was going to make you the lead apostle, but now we're just going to make you maybe just some usher in the house. No, he said, no, no, feed my sheep, feed my lamb. Get back going. Come on, restore your dreams alive. Come, come awake again, soul. Get belief back in your spirit and know that if God's with you, then He can take you somewhere amazing with your life. Come on, can we just have a little break and just celebrate that God actually does have a plan for our lives? Come on. Come on. Some interesting things to note about the Bible. The the one thing I note is that the Bible says that the 70 elders, the 70 elders, that they prophesied once, but they never did it again. That Saul prophesied on the day of his coronation, but he never did it again. Yet in contrast to these cats, we've got David that the Bible never records a prophecy, does give us two thirds of the Psalms that came from David. And they're full of prophecies. I mean, when you think about it, you realize that probably the most significant prophecy about the arrival of Jesus is sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. And we don't find that in a prophetic book. We find it in a, in a psalm. 
And I want you to know that the difference between Saul and the elders of Moses and David was that David kept returning to the presence of God. He kept returning to the presence of God. Man, friends, I want you to know that God is wanting you and I not to run from Him, but to run towards Him. Not just to get busy in our life with the doing, but to keep coming back to Him and coming alive with the being. The being is more important than the doing. The seeing is more important than the achieving. Um, uh, Philippians chapter three, Philippians chapter three, the guys that got this verse, you can chuck it up. Philippians chapter three, verse 12. The apostle Paul says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold, take hold of that for which Christ, excuse me, Christ Jesus took hold. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold. I I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, now when when you read this text, you might miss the significance of these two phrases. Take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold, took hold. He said, God took hold of me. And when you, when you read it, uh, I, need, I need somebody to come up here on stage. Can we just have a guy, just someone close to you and I jump on up here. When, when, when we read this text, we're reading something. Uh, this is a perfect, a perfect helper for this this morning. Isn't Sione just a perfect physical specimen? <laughs> if you don't know him, he actually has perfect teeth. They're, like, they're so white. I, I never had teeth that white in my life ever. I, shut up. I'm jealous of them. I would have dentists in our church try and help me and they've never been as white as yours. He has a beautiful skin. He has a voice like an angel. He has muscles like a champion. He's just an absolute perfect physical specimen. But when, when the... I have a man crush. No, no. What am I even saying? Come over here. Get away from there. Um, so, so the Bible is saying, Paul is saying, I, I, I'm just going to wrinkle your shirt, but I won't break it. Uh, he says, he says uh, gee, God... God took hold of me, right? He took hold of me. Now, please, I just bought this t-shirt, this shirt, but, but can you grab my shirt now? Okay. There are so many cameras out there right now. Okay. I press on, I press on to take hold, right, of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, now, what he's saying here, when he says take hold, the original Greek word means to comprehend. Wow. It's not divorced from Psalm 139. It's, it's, it's amplifying it in a New Testament context. Psalm 139 said, before Sione was even born, God already had a plan for his life. It might have 700 pages. It might have 7 billion. I don't know. But God already ordained every step of his life. And that is the purpose for which he came into this world. God, God took hold of him for that reason. And then the Apostle Paul, by the way, Philippians is called the joy epistle, and it should be because he wrote it in house arrest. The book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul in house arrest in Rome. He thinks he's about to be judged by Caesar and die. It's his last work. 
And in his last work, he says, not that I have already obtained all this, not that I've reached the end of my journey, but I press on, I press on. And then he's talking about his journey, right? His journey in life, what God's got for him to accomplish in his life. And he's saying, my primary pursuit, it's a bit awkward when you stand this close to somebody yelling. Uh, he's saying, he's saying, my primary pursuit is not to do something out there, not, not to get busy with my life. He says, I, I'm, I'm comfortable being in this little room day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, because whenever I'm left to myself, I don't waste a moment. I just get before God, let the Holy Spirit wash over my life. And, and God, God took hold of me for a reason. God has got a plan for my life. But then the Apostle Paul is saying, you grab me. He's saying, now I am just gonna grab what you grabbed me for. I'm gonna take what you've got for me and I'm gonna make it new normal. I'm gonna become so alive in your plan for me that when I walk through my life, I am living not out of insecurity, doubt, fear, rejection, pain, setback or disappointment. I'm gonna walk through my life and they can say we're gonna kill you, but nothing can stop the plan that God has for my life. Come on, I am alive. I am alive with a dream and the dream is me. I'm alive with a dream and the dream is who God's called me to be in my life. Come on, if you believe it, could you give God a great shout of praise this morning? Come on, could you just declare? God's got a dream, God's got a dream, God's got a plan. Come on, my time is done, but no matter where you are, stand to your feet right now. Stand up, every single person. Uh, I mean, we, we, we're just touching on it this morning. We're gonna have to do some more over the next few weeks, but I really feel as, uh, as you know, as, as unstructured as that came out that I'm hoping something got, got in because I really do believe, I do believe that if we don't get a generation of dreamers, if we don't have some young men having some visions and some old men dreaming some dreams, that we're just gonna start walking through this life. Come on, does anybody reckon God didn't put you on this planet? Come on. You gotta remember your dream when life is going bad. You gotta remember why you're here when everything isn't working out. You gotta remember your purpose even when everything in the natural stares you in the face and declare, I am who God has called me to be. You need your dreams more for your bad days than your good ones. You need your dreams when everything's not working out your way. You need your dreams. You need your dreams. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, dreams come alive. That's what takes place whenever God is in a life. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.